0: The Metaphor Mindset is a podcast for artists and creative thinkers, entrepreneurs and leaders who want to explore ideas around creativity and commerce. Think like an artist, work like a boss. Welcome to the Metaphor Mindset podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Borg. Welcome to Episode 4, Make Decisions. Let's talk about making decisions. This is important because the more awareness we have around our decisions, the more success and growth we will have. We all make decisions every day. No wonder we're exhausted blue or black, gray or purple, canvas or panel, oil or acrylic, light or dark, paper or plastic. Most of the time, we don't even know we are making decisions. And this is the way it should be. Our brains don't like confusion. So, whenever we can just do things the easy way, the obvious way, the way it's already been grooved into our mind space, that is what we do. Our brains love certainty and pattern and order. But we also need stimulation, learning, and creativity. We need both, flow and order, order and flow. That's what I'm going to talk about today. My three pillars for a creative life, one, I talked about last week, is create an atmosphere in your brain, in your studio, in your business. Number two. Make decisions. That's today. And next week, I'll talk about number three walk the path. Let's start by asking two questions. One Where have been the points in your life where you made important decisions? Think back on those decisions and where they took you. Usually they're pretty clear. And the second question is Where are those times in your life when you didn't make a decision, when you didn't decide, when you were really confused, or You just let something go until the decision was made for you. I don't think one is any better than the other, frankly, but it feels like the awareness is the important part. This is how we gain wisdom, looking back to see what drives us. The abstract painter Vasily Kandinsky called this the inner necessity. His abstract work is all about exploring the space inside his mind, inside his soul, And his motto, his mantra, was paint from inner necessity. This concept of inner necessity meant that he painted because he was expressing a feeling or a concept that was deep inside him that didn't have any other way to be expressed except in paint on the canvas. He painted in the early 1900s through the middle of the century, and he was a great teacher as well. He taught at the Bauhaus School in Germany, before World War II, and he and his cohort really invented the concept of abstract art. He influenced many painters, and he expressed his art through dance and theater and music as well. He saw all the arts as being connected, and he saw the arts as almost like a pyramid, where as we grow in our knowledge of the arts, this pyramid is built. One thing that Kandinsky said was, everything starts with a dot. He should know, he painted a lot of dots. And when he said, everything starts with a dot, he's also saying, every dot is a decision. Today I want to talk about this concept of making decisions and how it works for creative artists and creative entrepreneurs. First, I'll tell you a story Then I'll tell you what I've learned from this process and how it might help you. I don't even remember what year it was, but I think it was 2005. I was living in Seattle, writing about food for a now defunct but much beloved food magazine in Portland called Northwest Palette. I was assigned to go to New York City to attend a dinner at James Beard House with a Yakima chef, Mike Davis, who was cooking a dinner there. I couldn't turn it down. It was an amazing trip. I felt like I had arrived in my own little imaginary world by taking on this job at this famous iconic venue. I was pretty broke, but I managed to scrape together the plane fare, and when I got to New York, it was pouring down rain, and it rained pretty much straight for three days. That didn't really stop me, though. I walked all over the city in the rain. I was staying at a little tiny rundown hostel on Mineta Street, all I could afford. For the assignment, I went to hang out with these chefs in the basement kitchen of the James Beard house. They had stuffed all of their beautiful Yakima Valley ingredients, including asparagus and peaches and plums and apples and grapes and wines and meats, into these crates they shipped with them on the plains. They created an amazing dinner paired with the Yakima Valley wines. I can still taste that lobster bisque they handed out in tiny cups as we stood sipping Yakima Valley Chardonnay in one of the drawing rooms of the James Beard House. It felt surreal. For the next two days, I wandered New York in the rain. Art and food were intertwined for me, and the art of food was leading me to the art of art. I loved art, but I did not make it back then. I was in complete confusion and indecision about becoming an artist. I really wanted to make art, but I had so much fear that I was really just letting that decision be made for me. Writing came easily, and it's what I had chosen and fallen into, and it's what paid the bills. Don't get me wrong, I loved it, and it was amazing. But whenever I had an extra minute, I went to galleries and museums, and I drew, and I read about art. So on this trip to New York, I made the most of it. I went to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and to the Modern, I went to the Frick, and to the Guggenheim, all for the first time. And all in three days, it was pretty transformative. Then at the end, with just one day of my trip to go, I made a pilgrimage to Greenwich Village. I walked past the White Horse Tavern where Dylan Thomas drank, the tiny house at 75 and a half Bedford Street, the narrowest house in New York City at nine and a half feet wide, where Edna St. Vincent Millay lived, And then to the Chelsea Hotel, where Dylan Thomas lived for a while, and so many other famous artists like William Burroughs, Allen Ginsberg, Tennessee Williams, de Kooning, Jasper Johns, Robert Crumb. It was made famous by Andy Warhol and the factory of artists surrounding him. I walked into the lobby out of the rain, dripping wet. It was empty, but the walls were filled with huge, colorful paintings. So I sat there, dried myself off, and considered it to be one of my museum trips. I just spent time looking at these works, taking in the vibe, peering up the old staircase, wondering what the rooms were like, feeling the ghosts of all the past artists, picturing Kerouac bounding down the stairs or Dylan Thomas stumbling up them. After a while, a guy walked down the stairs. A young, handsome guy with curly, dark hair, he just kind of wandered around the lobby, sat down, opened a book, stood up, paced back and forth. We kind of eyed each other for a minute, and then I said hi. I've always been like that. I'll talk to anyone. We started talking, and he said he lived in the building. And I said, well, what are you doing down here in the lobby then? And he said, I'm working on a new painting. I said, okay. He said, I prepped the canvas upstairs, so I have to wait for it to dry a bit and let the fumes dissipate. What are you going to paint, I asked. I'm not sure yet, he said. We talked about art and music, the history of the Chelsea a little bit. I didn't want to seem like a wide-eyed tourist, so I tried to keep my cool. He said he was making paintings for a show in Amsterdam, so we talked about the Dutch Renaissance for a while. And then he said, would you like to go out for coffee? And I said, oh yes, that would be delightful. It felt so 19th century. And then he said, great, can I meet you in an hour here? I have to go up and make a mark on this canvas. I have to make a mark on this canvas. I said, sure, and he went upstairs, and I wandered off into a sort of silver New York City, still dripping with rain. I came back in an hour, and we went to have coffee, and I said, I'm so curious, what is your studio like? So we went back to the Chelsea, and he took me up to see his apartment. It was so small. The room seemed about 10 by 16 feet, with a tiny kitchen, a bathroom, a small fridge, a hot plate, a bed, a desk, a dresser, a chair. And along one wall, eight to 10 huge canvases, five or six feet tall by seven or eight feet wide, all were stacked against the wall. He flipped through them one by one, each one a bold, colorful figure or animal, some holding toys or different shapes. It was beautiful work. And on the wall, the painting he had been working on had one mark, a short line, about a third of the way up the canvas. I don't even remember his name. But this brings me to my point today. Kandinsky said everything starts with a dot. Like this artist, Kandinsky realized that every mark we make creates a new relationship. The relationship I had with this new friend was short, but it was a dot on the canvas of my art decision-making process. It gave me something to think back on and admire his process and his place and how he had created an atmosphere in his life where he could make art even though he had such a small space. And the dot that he made on the canvas created a relationship between the mark and the space of the rest of the canvas. Whatever mark is made next, whatever line and shape you make is a response to that original dot. Metaphorically, every choice we make is a new dot on the landscape, on the surface of our canvas. I'm writing a book right now called The Big Bang of Numbers, How to Build the Universe Using Only Math, by Manil Suri. I want to talk about numbers in a future episode, but right now I just want to recommend this book for artists, who are afraid of, or who even hate math. It's a story about dots, lines, shapes, numbers, and how math is a language to explore these ideas. If you ever read the book Flatland, you'll love this book. But on another level, this idea of making a dot is about decisions. When you make decisions on your canvas, when you make new brushstrokes, that mark is a record of your confidence or your timidity or however you are feeling. Like in Japanese and Chinese calligraphy, you start practicing by making circles. The Japanese enso. My Sumi-e ink teacher, Lois, taught me the energy of my body shows in my marks. These are ancient concepts, of course, but we need to be reminded of them. Our feelings and emotions come through in our marks. Even if you don't know what the next move will be, like my friend, he didn't know what he was going to paint next. He explored the process as he went, but he understood that every mark he made was going to create a new relationship, a new space on the canvas. My teacher, Kimberly Trowbridge, encouraged us to make confident decisions on the canvas. And sometimes I was paralyzed by perfectionism. When we have to make a decision, we ask ourselves, what's the next move? It has to be perfect. What if I fail? Which brings me to a counteracting idea called pentimento, Pentimento is an Italian term that means to repent. When you see paintings where artists have painted over previous areas in the work, and the previous lines show through, or when the artists change their mind and they still leave a record of what is before, that is pentimento. For instance, in the Van Eyck painting, The Arnolfini Wedding, X-rays have revealed previous decisions, a hand in a completely different position that's been painted over. Sometimes as a painting ages and the paint fades, these original marks come through. To me, it just makes the painting more interesting with more texture and depth. And many painters use this technique. For instance, Jenny Saville's drawings of the Velasquez painting, Las Meninas. Saville draws lines over lines over lines. She repents over and over. It feels like her thematic idea is about this young girl and how other people are forming her life for her. Saville creates many layers of lines, and we see every one. So when we make a mark, we make a decision, and those decisions are often out in the open for everyone to see. That takes courage, and every decision lives in relationship to what came before. And sometimes it can feel paralyzing. But when you think about the process of painting and comparing it to the process of business or living, We're looking and thinking about the past, and then we're hoping towards the future. But all of our action is taken in the present moment when we have the feeling that drives us forward. We get some paint on the canvas, then we can feel good about the choice, that decision, that mark. And the next step is to do as my first painting teacher, Jose Paramon, suggested step back and have a cup of coffee, create some time in your day to let that decision settle. Whatever your process is, fast or slow, you're making a decision. And then remember, pentimento. We can repent. We can cover it up. We can erase it. We can let the first decision show through as we create our art and our lives and our businesses. The layering, shining through. This is what I offer you today. This process is the same in your business. We are so comfortable doing this on the canvas, making a mess and covering it up we're starting over we learn as we go in business we try something new we create a new website or a post or a newsletter a product a class and we put it out there we make a mark a confident decision then stand back with your cup of coffee and take a look then create a new layer shift and change it create the next rich texture of meaning that is unique to you and your business so your life can move forward Like a lot of visual thinkers, I like to create little mental models in my mind, visual tools to help me conceptualize different ideas. I've created one I call the decision pyramid that helps me think about decisions. So when you take that dot, that first dot, you take the dot and think of it as the number one, a seed. I always think of January as a seed. For what's going to happen throughout the whole year. Then you start thinking about something, a new idea, a new project. That's the seed. Something that can grow into something else. A seed. Step two of the decision pyramid is another dot. The number two. And two can represent duality. So you have a seed, an idea, and then our brains usually present us with the opposite. Oh, you can't do that. Or this is the yin and yang of it. Or you argue with yourself. And this can go back and forth for days, weeks, or years. But if you complete the decision pyramid then, by putting a dot at the top, like a triangle or a pyramid, the number three can represent focus or fire or creativity. This is the result of one plus two. And if three is based on your values, your inner necessity, as Kandinsky called it, then your decision usually will be clear. One is the seed. Two is duality and the top of the pyramid, three, is your focus. And you make a decision. Once that decision is made, based on your values or your inner necessity, or sometimes by chance, then that dot, that point of the pyramid, that fulcrum, becomes a new seed of a new decision. And this is the way we build a ladder, a staircase, a pathway of stepping stones up and forward. Remember, it isn't all the options from the seed, or the duality that's important. It's the fulcrum, the focus, the decision that's important. When you make it, you can go on to something new and grow to the next stage. I work with my clients to develop and discover their own values and pillars and ideas and thoughts that can drive their work and business forward. One of my clients' guiding principles or pillar is start before you're ready. It goes so perfectly with this concept. No one knows when they're ready. Being ready is a thought that you can decide to think. And the feeling of readiness comes from the thought, I am ready. So for my client, starting before you're ready helps her make that first decision, that first mark on her business to step into the arena to build her confidence through action. Make a mark, step back, have coffee, make another mark, practice pentimento, and build up that rich texture. I want to end with a short story about my friend Winifred Brumsickle, the painter and parfumier. When she first started painting, she tells the story about holding the brush above the canvas and shaking as she's trying to make the first Mark on the canvas, being so nervous about it. And she has this hilarious look on her face. And then she shows me how she made the mark, which is almost like stabbing at the canvas. That's how it felt for me, too. It was such an intense moment to just start painting. When Ms. Trowbridge said, as I puttered around, getting things in order, adjusting my colors and cleaning everything up, lining up my brushes perfectly, She would look at me, fold her arms, and just say, get some paint on that canvas, Shannon. And I did. I decided, okay, I'm just going to paint, and I can always repent later. So paint with your body, not your brain, to relax and move with your whole body like a dancer. This idea of duende that the poet Federico Garcia Lorca talks about, the duende is like a little demon, is kind of the life force, inside the art so when we make marks we make decisions when we make any moves in our lives we are tapping into that life force that drives that emotion and this is why artists can be so great at business because we have that connection to the emotional side we know that we can make decisions from this place and when you're passing that energy and that beauty and that love out into the world If you're an artist who wants to sell and market your work more effectively, join us in the Metaphor Mindset Studio, an online program for artists who want to love their business as much as they love their art. Metaphor Mindset Studio, think like an artist, work like a boss.